the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Hi, everyone. Besides this show, every weekend you can also join Josh Mondays at 1230 for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. And you can always find that recording at Josh's website, aptuswealth.com. You can, to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, let's break out the crystal ball with the news about the 2022 cost of living adjustment coming down recently. What do you think it's going to look like for 2023 and what should people do to get ready? Well, I think it, it says very clearly that inflation is amongst us. It's not going away. And, and just for those of you who don't know, the uh, Social Security Administration announced that the increase for 2022 will be 5.9%. In other words, everybody's Social Security check will go up by 5.9% as a cost of living adjustment for 2022. Now, why is that important? It's the biggest boost in the last 40 years. So since 1982, when the inflation adjustment was around 7.5%, uh, we haven't had anything close to 5.9%. So we oftentimes hear in the media that, you know, while we're printing a lot of money as a government and while uh, COVID has taken its toll, you know, inflation's really been under control. When in reality, uh, we're seeing a cost of living adjustment from Social Security being basically 6%. And we all know historically that if Social Security goes up by 6%, that's typically not the real story of how you feel it in your pocket. Now, everybody's different. So it depends on how much you rely on different things. For example, if you look at uh, the cost at the pump or the cost of housing, it's certainly gone up by many multiples of 6%, but other things, clothing, et cetera, maybe have, have gone up by less. So it depends on how you live your life. But what does that mean uh, moving forward? Well, it means that inflation is going to be a real thing, and it looks at least to be that it's going to be a significant part of our economy for the next time to come. So as we look into 2023, we should start thinking about how are we going to accommodate for that? Namely, we know that Social Security comprises about a third to one half of the average American's uh, retirement. So that means that at least another half of your retirement is not going to get automatic inflation adjustments necessarily to the tune of 6% if inflation goes up. So how are you invested? How do we accommodate for that fact? What, what do we do? What do we invest in? 
And we have a lot of things to tangle with. We have really low interest rates. We have a really high stock market. We have really high housing prices. And it can be very confusing as to where do I put my money and what percentages to make sure that I protect against loss or at least mitigate it to the best of my ability. But at the same time, we can't just simply leave the money in cash and accommodate for inflation. And fortunately for a lot of people over the last uh, 20, 30, 40 years, as long as you had you know a decent chunk of your money in the stock market over the last 10 years the stock market's gone nothing but up and if you had your money in the bond market for some metric of safety well interest rates have done nothing but go down and when your interest rates go down because they're inversely proportional with bond rates bonds go up so you've been rewarded for basically doing anything in other words i put my money in bonds money goes up i put my money in the stock market money goes up i put my money in housing money goes up there really hasn't been too many areas where you could put your money and fail. And in today's environment, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case moving forward. Uh, another thing that, that the Social Security Administration did announce as well, and I just think it's important to note, is this uh, concept of the more you make, the more you pay into Social Security taxes up to a point. And what that means is if I make $100,000 a year, I pay roughly 6.5% of my money into Social Security every single year, and my employer matches that. If I'm self-employed, I pay both sides. So I'm being taxed roughly 6500 bucks per 100000 It's a little less than that, but close enough. Well, once you hit 140 some odd thousand dollars you no longer have to pay into Social Security. So if you're one of the fortunate few, um, like a lot of my clients are, that make over that amount, you only have to pay Social Security up to $147,000. It used to be about one hundred forty-three, so that number keeps going up. But one of the proposals right now in the new tax plan that's coming through is that that is, in fact, raised. Now, we don't know to what capacity. There's been a lot of ideas thrown around. But it would be worth noting that it is possible that while we hear that tax rates aren't going to go up, many people could get caught in this trap of they didn't raise my federal income tax rate, but my cost of Social Security taxes went up significantly so pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. They say they didn't raise my taxes, but I'm making less money. What gives? Um, that type of thing, I think, is going to become more and more prevalent. So as we look forward into 2023, a couple things. One, inflation is something we have to very much focus on. And two, taxes is something we very much have to focus on. And mitigating risk is something that we have to pay a lot of attention to moving forward. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, just give Josh a call. His phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So, Josh, we've talked about the cost of living increase. It's good news to many who will see their checks increase. On the flip side of the coin, is that going to make Social Security, uh, you know, deplete quicker than we already think it's, it's going to? Short answer is yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we hear a lot about Social Security running out of money. And, you know, I've seen so many statistics that I don't even know which ones to believe anymore. Um, it seems like every week we talk a little bit about Social Security and the problems that they're having. And I always draw from different stats that I see. You know, some of them are coming directly from the Social Security Administration. Some of them are coming from think tanks. But it seems like I give a different percentage every single week. And I assure you that's not because I'm not doing due diligence. It's because the stats literally are changing that quickly, which... You know, sometimes I, I heard a joke once that 97% of all stats are made up on the spot, which is obviously, maybe it's 82. I don't know. But the point of that is Social Security is going to run out of money. And the prediction that I saw most commonly is sometime around 2032, 2034. What does that mean? 
Well, it means that that excess money that we've been pouring into Social Security that's built up a trust over the years, in recent years or the last 10, 20 years or so, we've needed to use that quote-unquote trust fund to supplement what is being paid in. People are paying in, people are collecting out, and there's a shortfall between the two, but it wasn't always a shortfall. It used to be a surplus, and that surplus has been being used. And that surplus is going to run out sometime after 2030. Well, that, that situation isn't getting any better. And what would that mean? Well, as of today, it would mean about a quarter of all of people's benefits would go down. Or not a quarter of all people, but benefits would go down by a quarter. So if you were getting $2,000 a month, it is conceivable that your benefit amount, if nothing changes, would be now $1,500 a month sometime after 2030. Now, I don't believe that that's going to be the case. I think that it would be political suicide for that to be the case. I do believe that it'll be handled, but it's not as simple as just flipping a switch. There has to be a lot of inter intervention amongst Congress, the House. They have to come to an agreement. There has to be uh, amendments made to a certain degree. So it's, it's not as simple as just saying, ah, we'll throw some money at it uh, and we'll be fine. Because uh, by statute, we cannot take on debt to pay for Social Security without amending the program itself. So what president's going to be willing to jump on that grenade? I don't think anybody until we reach around 2030 or whenever it runs out of money. But ultimately, somebody's going to have to deal with it. How they deal with it, we don't really know yet. It's probably going to be a combination of a lot of things. Uh, we've heard a lot of these different strategies thrown out, but by themselves, none of them will solve the problem. So you could say, well, we're going to take the cap off earnings. That'll bring in more money to Social Security. That'll solve the problem. No, it doesn't. We'll raise the age of people that are now in their 30s and 40s to when they can collect. It won't be a full retirement age of 67. It'll be 70. That helps, but it doesn't solve the problem in and of itself. Uh, well, we're going to lower cost of living adjustments. It helps, doesn't solve the problem. So it's going to have to be a combination of all these things. But amongst all the things that I just said, it entails either borrowing money or printing money to fund it. It entails lowering the cost of living adjustments, which we just got done saying are going to be 6% for next year. So obviously those are important to keep up with inflation. If inflation is really 6% and you don't get that, then Social Security is now a watered down, less reliable program for income. If it's we have to work longer until we collect it, well, that creates some challenges. The moral of the story in all of this is, yes, I believe that the trust fund is going to run out quicker. I still don't believe they're going to solve the problem until they absolutely have to. And by they, I mean government. Um, but it also drastically points towards Social Security maybe not being as large a percentage of your retirement picture, maybe not being there as soon as you'd like, and not accommodating for inflation as much as you'd like. So it just goes into that whole you know, soup mix of, what do I need to do for retirement? What are my ingredients in the soup? This is less of an ingredient now than it used to be. So it's a challenge moving forward, but one you have to address. With the talk of inflation and it's coming and already starting, are you seeing in Ohio that stores and grocery stores are having a difficult time getting certain products in? There's certainly supply chain issues. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've been pretty fortunate in Ohio. There's certainly other states that have been hit harder. Uh, but at least in, in my grocery stores, there's still everything that you need. But I'm sure everybody listening can relate to some things that you'd like to have that maybe aren't as readily available as they were before. Now, with all the barges hanging out on the you know out at sea, waiting to come in, we're still yet to be seen. Uh, it's yet to be seen as to whether or not that's going to hit, say, the grocery stores hard or not. But if you go down the chain and you say, well, what about things from uh, you know automobiles to uh, patio furniture to clothing, everybody's been hit by that. And the cost increases have been significant. 
And also, I think one of the biggest problems that we have is finding uh, labor, which is very unusual because we simultaneously have a high unemployment rate and also a labor shortage, which doesn't seem to go hand in hand. Uh, but there's still a lot of challenges that have not yet completely resolved themselves from COVID, that's for sure. And are your clients getting concerned about that? You know, inflation, they're seeing things not available. Is it causing kind of some panic with some people? I think inflation's on everybody's mind. I think it's a huge concern. Matter of fact, I had an appointment this past week where somebody's concern was, you know, I have these rental properties. I'm going to retire and sell them in the next couple of years, and I'm moving out of state. But can I even rely on selling them now? Is the, is the, is the housing market going to continue to go up? Is it going to match inflation? What should I be doing? I think, you know, what I'm saying by that little example is uh, people are very anxious right now. They've ridden a hell of a ride with the stock market all the way to the top. Interest rates are really, really low. And most people, even at an elementary level, understand that one of the levers that the Fed has to pull to combat problems in the economy is lowering interest rates. And now they believe, and I agree, that there's really not that lever to pull anymore. As a matter of fact, the lever that will probably need to be pulled moving forward is raising interest rates to offset inflation. And by raising interest rates and thus tightening the money supply and making things like homes more expensive, what is that going to mean across all of these different asset classes? What is going to happen? And uh, we can obviously conversation for maybe later today, but it certainly will have an impact. But I think that general belief system of I should be very concerned today because I feel like the other shoe is going to drop is something that's on everybody's mind. And the only way you can address that is through education, through proper planning, through understanding what the potential outcomes are, and then putting yourself in the best position to take advantage and protect yourself from all those outcomes. And to do that with Josh, schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m. right here on 98.9 The Answer. This recording, and you can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session to learn new strategies to manage risk, Give Josh a call. His phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, how can putting a number on retirement be problematic when planning for the golden years? Isn't it good to have goals? 
I think it's great to have goals, but I think at the same time, your goals have to be somewhat flexible when you're talking about a goal that might be decades away. I mean, a lot can happen in, in a period of decades, right? So, you know, we don't even talk about retirement as much as we're trying to start discussing retirement more in the terms of financial independence. Times change, things change, people's occupations are different, people's goals and objectives are different. And I think ultimately what everybody's going for is not necessarily retirement, but they're going for financial independence, meaning they don't have to go to work if they don't want to. And you'd be surprised how much you can tolerate or how much more you like your job when you know at any point you don't have to be there anymore. Uh, the little petty things don't seem to add up near as much when you don't have to be there. So, you know, knowing that, uh, a lot has happened if we just look at the last 18 to 24 months. Uh, a lot of people have been furloughed. A lot of things have changed. Interest rates have changed. The market volatility has changed. Inflation has changed. All the things that we talk about, a lot has changed. And that's not new. Um, change is the only thing that's constant. And if we look throughout time, there's one thing that we can determine with complete certainty. And that is that if you bet against the United States, or you bet against the world economy over the last hundred years, you would have lost and lost handedly. However, throughout that last hundred years, it seems like there's always something terrible happening somewhere, whether it's, you know, the world wars that we've experienced, Vietnam, Korea, the Middle East, the list just goes on and on in the way of wars and economic collapses and, and dictatorships and all sorts of things happen throughout time. And to think that you can properly predict with 100% certainty that on exactly May 27th of 2053, you're going to be able to retire with exactly the right amount of money that you want is really unrealistic. Now, that does not mean that having a goal of achieving that and putting in contingency plans, tertiary plans, and, and uh, stress testing that plan over time isn't worthwhile. But what I am suggesting is that we have a another pandemic going on in this country, and that's the pandemic of pessimism. And that pessimistic attitude, I think, can be as dangerous as not being economically able to retire. Uh, I've seen a lot of people throughout the pandemic, in particular uh, in relation to the pandemic of COVID, um, really negatively affecting their emotional health because they start to believe some things that aren't really that important. For example, uh, I saw a study recently that said 36%. So let's just say over a third of Americans said they'll never have enough money to retire. And then almost half, over 40%, said that they'll, their only ability to be, to be financially secure will involve a miracle. So, you know, in turn, I've had several conversations with people that just seem taken aback by that. You know, this, this has happened, that has happened. And you can honestly see their, their lives starting to take a turn for the worse, this uh, idea of, um, you know, momentum. Momentum heading in the wrong direction starts to pile up on itself, and you see people's lives getting worse. Well, the exact opposite is true, and that is the impact of positive momentum is hard to take away from you. If you start doing the right things, heading in the right direction, whether you get to the target at the exact time frame or not, knowing that you're doing the right things to get to the target is incredibly powerful. So, you know, is it a good idea to have goals? Absolutely. Is it so critical that we marry ourselves to those goals, and if we don't achieve them on the exact, exact time frame, that it's the end of the world? That's a terrible, terrible choice. So any time that you're faced with these types of, of horrendous times where you have low interest rates and, um, you know, all these different things have changed, we're, we're struggling with what are we going to do moving forward? 
doing the right things repetitively and moving in the right direction is the right decision for today. And that is not me, by the way, Diane, suggesting that we cannot plan for financial independence and we cannot plan for retirement with very significant predict- uh, predictability because we absolutely can. But if you get derailed, don't give up the path. Just make adjustments. And you're there for people as a financial advisor to help them through these and the ebbs and flows and you guys stress test their plans. And as you say, you have great predictability. So it's all a matter of planning, planning, planning. Well, it's also a matter of avoiding the pitfalls that so many of us make. In times of chaos and times of stress and times of downturns in the market, that's when all the predators come out. By predators, I mean... Uh, you better do this or you're going to go down the hill with the rest of the idiots in the financial collapse. Uh, I know that you believe that this is the right asset allocation between stocks, bonds, et cetera, et cetera. But now is different and you should go on this completely new path. It's important not only that we do the proper planning, Diane, and, and head down the right path, but also avoid the bad ones. We're our own worst enemy when it comes to financial planning. Fear and greed are two very powerful things and we're not immune to either one of them. And right now we're being controlled heavily by fear in every respect of our lives, you could argue, but certainly in the respect of our financial future. So we're also here to help you steer away from the bad things that can be thrown in front of you as well. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. And to schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, give him a call. Again, 614-364-7300. We are headed to the end of the year. We have got uh, Halloween coming up and then Thanksgiving. What should people be doing? What should they have on their financial radar as we're in the fourth quarter of 2021 as, as the end of year approaches? Well, fourth quarter is always the best time to start talking about taxes. You know, most people start thinking about taxes after the first of the year as it gets closer and closer to April 15th. Unfortunately, once the year passes, not all, but a large percentage of the things that you could have done to control your tax bill go away because the year has already passed. Uh, So it's important to start thinking about taxes. And there's no question that uh, we are facing at least a potential significant wide-ranging tax reform proposal. Now, what elements or pieces of that will get uh, pushed through in Washington, we don't know yet. But what we do know is that to some degree, it looks like taxes are going to go up. And uh, it looks at least like the largest impact that we're going to see on taxes will be on the highest wage earners. Um, That does not necessarily mean, I know oftentimes we hear the highest wage earners are people that are billionaires and, you know, gazillionaires and people that we can't even conceptualize how what it would feel like to be that rich. But the reality is uh, it's going to affect more people than we than we think. Um, and there's some things that you can do for those individuals. Uh, some of those proposals entail people that are high income earners will not be able to get as significant a tax deduction for 401k contributions. Let me explain what I mean by that. There's a uh, proposal that people in lower income categories will actually get a greater tax deduction than their actual tax bracket. For contributing to a 401k. So for example, if you contribute to a 401k, that money goes in pre-tax. As you know, it grows tax deferred and then you pay taxes on it when you retire. And let's say that I'm in the 12 per- 12% tax bracket. That means that every dollar I put into my 401k, I save 12% in taxes on because it goes in pre-tax. There's a proposal that says that 
you would actually get more than a 12% tax deduction. So you're literally given additional money or free money, if you want to call it that, for contributing. Conversely, however, if you're in the 39% tax bracket, which is being proposed that the 39% tax bracket is coming back, it's currently the 37, then that means that every dollar you put in, you're saving 40% in taxes on or 39%. The which, you know, one would argue that could be fair in that, you know, I guess I get the same tax deduction that somebody else gets. However, they're discussing capping that. So you would not get as great a tax deduction. So where I might be in the 40% or 39% tax bracket, I may only get a tax deduction of 25%. Just food for thought and something that needs to go into the planning element. Um, the other thing that would become more and more popular as taxes uh, become more and more uncertain and it looks like they're going up would be how do I control my taxes via utilizing a Roth IRA? And if I can't qualify for a Roth IRA because of income, doing what's called a backdoor Roth IRA. And a Roth IRA, to remind everyone, is a vehicle where you put in after-tax dollars. Those dollars grow tax-deferred, but every dollar you pull out of them, as long as you leave it in long enough, is tax-free. So the worry of future taxes is essentially eliminated. The downside to a Roth IRA is once you reach certain income thresholds, you can't do it anymore. But there's a way that you can do it through what's been kind of coined in the industry as a backdoor Roth IRA. And that means that you put money into a non-deductible IRA so you don't get any tax credit. And then you convert it to a Roth IRA because you can always convert IRAs to Roth IRAs without any, ta without any income limitation. So it's a little extra paperwork. It's a little bit of a pain in the butt. But you get there ultimately anyway. Now, there are some uh, kind of little things you got to dance around and make sure that don't affect you. So don't go running out and doing that today. Make sure you call us and make sure that there's no uh, downsides in your particular situation for doing so. But it is a way to get to a Roth IRA. The other thing, a uh, couple of things that I think are going to become more advantageous for savers is the tax deferral afforded to you inside of annuity contracts, as long as the costs are not exorbitant. So you have to be very careful in which annuity contracts you look at. Because annuity contracts with money that is not qualified, meaning it's not an IRA, it's not a 401k, it's not a 403b, it's not any of that alphabet soup. This is just money you have in the bank or dollars you want to save after you pay taxes on them. Annuity contracts go tax deferred as well. So you put those monies in and all of the taxes on the gains are deferred until you take them out. That could become more advantageous in the way of getting through a potential short-term tax hump does not so, uh, solve the long-term tax problem, though, but it does solve a short-term one. The other thing to look at is how we invest money in non-qualified brokerage accounts. And remember, this is after-tax dollars that you want to invest. It looks like there's potentially going to be a significant raise to both dividend income tax rates and capital gains tax rates. And how we control that is very, very important. And what it's pointing us to is potentially pushing us away from mutual funds or actively managed mutual funds and pushing us towards ETFs or exchange-traded funds and buying individual stocks through something called separately managed accounts because we have a stronger ability to control the amount of buying and selling that occurs, and that's the amount of tax impact that they have. So a lot of things to throw out there, and some of them probably – made a lot of sense. Some of them probably seemed like it was a little bit too, uh, too complicated, too high level, but they all point towards the same thing. And that is moving forward, investing in ways to be able to control your taxes is going to become more and more important. And the time to start looking at your tax scenario 
is the fourth quarter, not the first quarter of next year, if at all possible. And if you have questions, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Blueprint Show. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, let's say someone's well into retirement. They realize they've made a huge mistake along the way and they need to undo something that they messed up in the past. What are some potentially reversible actions that retirees can consider to help them out in that situation? Well, there's only so many things, I guess, that you could reverse. So let's not focus, I suppose, on things like you can always change your asset allocation, but you certainly wouldn't want to change it at the worst possible time. So oftentimes I'll see people will enter into retirement um, with a incredibly conservative portfolio or an incredibly aggressive portfolio. And then at the exact opposite, the exact worst time, that's when they want to switch it. So I was hyper aggressive, the market tanked, and now I want to go conservative. It's probably the worst time. And we all know buy high, sell low is the exact opposite thing that we want to be doing. Um, so not the right time to go ultra conservative. Maybe pull back the reins a bit, but not go the other direction and vice versa. Uh, but something that I encounter a lot is filing for Social Security at the wrong time. And I know it seems like today we're harping on Social Security, but a lot in the news about it and uh, also a lot of things that can go wrong with it. Um, oftentimes, I'll see people file for Social Security early, particularly lately. And that's because, you know, there's an adage going around or at least people thinking, I'm going to get it while the getting's good or I'm going to get in before they change it or, you know, whatever the logic pattern is. A lot of people have been filing early. And we know that most people can file as young as 62, but there's a reduction for filing at 62. So that may or may not make sense. But there's a lot of other things that go along with filing early. For example, uh, let's say that I'm uh, you know, doing great. I got a good job. I'm making 100 grand a year. I'm not going to retire until I'm 65 or 67 or sometime later, but I'm going to file for Social Security now because why not double dip? I'll get the money out of Social Security. I'll save it. And then if they ever do, in fact, to get rid of Social Security, which I don't think is going to happen, but if they ever did, then at least I got what I could. Well, the unfortunate part is before your retirement, uh, full retirement age, which is somewhere between 66 and 67 for everybody, if you make too much money, pretty much, let's just round and say about 20000 bucks. Once you hit 20000 bucks, every $2 you make over that, Social Security is reduced by a dollar. So if your Social Security is twenty grand a year and you make $60,000 a year and you're 62, they're going to take all your Social Security back away anyway. Now, that doesn't mean it's lost forever. It, you end up getting an increase like you never took it down the line. But what a terrible love letter to receive in the mail. You file in January. You're getting your Social Security all year. Social Security doesn't know how much money you're going to make until maybe even April the following year, which means you've been getting Social Security for 16 months. And then they find out through tax records that you made too much money and you're under the full retirement age. So they send you a letter in the mail. And they say, well, sorry, um, but you owe us all this money back. You've got to write us a check for twenty grand, Or when you do end up filing and you're eligible again, you're not going to get a check for 16 months and then we'll start kicking it on. I mean, that's a terrible thing to, to not see coming, to say the least. But the good news is 
you can do a, a mulligan or a redo or kind of a takeover or, uh, you know, take me back to the beginning as long as you didn't receive 12 months worth of checks. So I'll tell you where that kind of comes into play. You know, I'm 62. I was furloughed. I'm certainly going to look for another job, but I need the money. So I'm going to file for Social Security. Four months later, I get a job. Well, fantastic. Well, now I'm going to be over the threshold. So I have the ability to, to, to essentially pay back the money that I received over time and set the clock straight like I never took it. So there is that mulligan, but it's only for the first 12 months that you receive Social Security. The other thing is just purely taking it at the wrong time. Um, I know that we all want to get the maximum amount that we can out of Social Security. Everybody does. We've paid into it our whole lives. We certainly want to maximize our benefit. Uh, but oftentimes, maximizing your benefit does not mean taking it as early as possible. Essentially, when you calculate what you're going to get out of Social Security, it comes down to a couple of things on the surface and then a lot of things underneath. The first couple things are, well, how long do I think I'm going to live? If I think I'm going to live past 80 or let's, let's say into my mid-80s or maybe even 90 based upon family history, longevity, et cetera, et cetera, then I actually will receive more money from Social Security in total if I wait as long as possible. But if I know nobody in my family has ever lived past 75 years old, well, then I'm never going to reach that break-even point. And that break-even point means if I would have collected it at 62, but instead I waited until I was 66, I gave up those four years in the middle. Although at a reduced amount, those numbers add up. And that break-even point is in your early 80s. But then there's other things that come into play, like taxes. Social Security is a very weird animal in the way that it's taxed. It's taxed based upon the amount of outside income that you have. So when we start taking that into effect and looking at things like minimum required distributions and all the different things that uh, retirees encounter as they go through their retirement life, it might make more sense to wait on Social Security and live off your assets before you collect. So there's all these different pieces and parts to the puzzle that you have to calculate to find out how do I actually maximize Social Security. And unfortunately, I see most people just kind of assume erroneously that I should take it either when I retire or as soon as possible or just kind of this anecdotal evidence uh, or thought process. So you have 12 months to correct your errors, and you should hopefully do planning even before then. Uh, but obviously, this is all part of our process, Diane. We calculate everybody's Social Security Usually, that's one of the first things we discuss before we even get into asset allocation and investments as we talk about Social Security, what are your pensions that you're expecting, et cetera, because those are the things that once we set them, they're kind of locked in stone. We can always make adjustments on the other stuff, but you can reverse it. You just got to do it in time. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session, if you'd like to learn new strategies to manage risk, if you have any questions about what Josh has been talking about, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. So this, it, it sounds complicated, Josh, and we definitely need a financial advisor to help us sift through this and, and remember when to take it and, and when decide when a good time is. What do you feel is the most confusing part of retirement planning? Is it social security or, or something else? It's taxes, 100%. Tax is the most confusing thing in the financial picture that there are. And to quantify how confusing taxes are, the tax code, if you made it into a book, is a thicker book than the War of 1812 by a large magnitude. 
So if you've ever seen the War of 1812 sitting on a counter, the tax code is far larger than that. Um, so uh, I've even seen estimates that it might even be twice as big as that. So the tax code can be incredibly convoluted, complicated, gray, at, uh, certainly gray at times. But there's all these different interlocking pieces and parts. So if I, if I move this switch, then it affects this one over here, which in turn affects this one, which creates a, a daisy chain effect or reaction. Now, fortunately, for a lot of people, uh, taxes are not that complicated because their situation really isn't that complicated. But for those who it does affect, it can make a drastic difference on how you take your money, from where you take it, when you take it, and in what order. So taxes can, can become very, very complicated, very confusing, but they can also make an incredibly significant difference. We've all heard it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And similarly, you know, a 10% rate of return at a 30% tax rate is not nearly the same as a 10% rate of return at a 15% tax rate because you get to keep more of your money. And then in turn, how it relates to Social Security, like you mentioned, uh, how and where you take your money from can actually affect not just that money that you're taking, but also how your Social Security is taxed. So uh, everything is intertwined, everything is interlinked, and sometimes it's very difficult to navigate that process. Fortunately, um, we work in a very specific market, and that market is people who are very close to, uh, for the most part, or in retirement, think of, you know, 10 years out. And that particular category of people uh, almost invariably has very similar challenges as it relates to taxes. So while my office might not be the right office to call to have, you know, your Fortune 500 company audited, that's for sure. When it comes to tax planning, as it relates to somebody who's 55 years old and, and nearing retirement, uh, that's something that we see all the time and have, have encountered many, many times. So we know how to handle that. Um, the other one about Social Security, like you said, is, is just what we talked about in the segment prior to this, and that is when, how should I take Social Security? Um, what is the planning that goes in, in, in with that? And that's just because it's, it's difficult sometimes to interpret the gobbledygook that you encounter when you try and read through uh, the Social Security you know, paperwork that they send out to you. Sure, they send you, if you collect it at 67, this is what you get. But what happens when you start looking at things like, well, I might have uh, WEP, which is called Windfall Elimination Provision. I might have a reduction in my pension uh, at Ohio, not at Ohio State. If I work at Ohio State, I might have a reduction in my Social Security as a result of my pension. But to what degree, how should I take it, et cetera? Because in that instance, believe it or not, Diane, if you're going to work till 70, you're better off collecting your Social Security early if WEP is going to affect you incredibly negatively because it doesn't affect you until you start collecting your pension. So you can actually get your full Social Security while you're working and then have the offset once you finally retire. So you're right, Diane. It gets very, very complicated, but usually it has to come down to these very nuanced particular things as it relates to taxes and Social Security. But the other big one that I want to make sure I cover is sequence of return risk. And sequence of return risk is something that doesn't seem to be talked about a lot but can make the difference between making it through retirement and not making it through retirement. And what sequence of return risk simply means is, if I said, what rate of return do you want to get over the next 20 years, 5% or 10%, everybody will invariably say 10. The problem is the order in which the returns occur to get to 10 are more important than the 10 itself. So for example, for the first 10 years of your retirement, 
you got negative rates of return. But then the next 10 years of your retirement, you knock the cover off the ball and you just got the, the best rates of return you could possibly think of. And if you would have put a dollar in, you would have averaged 10% a year over the last 20 years. The fact of the matter is in retirement, if you have negative returns for the first 10 years, you might not have any money left by the time the good years start. So the return consistency or minimizing risk and having a plan to manage volatility in the market, which we can mitigate volatility, we can minimize it, we can try and make that glad path as smooth as possible, but you can't avoid it altogether. And if you don't have a plan to handle that level of volatility, you either better have a whole heck of a lot of money and not take barely anything out of it, or you better get lucky. And I don't think either one of those apply to most people. You don't want to bank on getting lucky, and most people want to live on their money at least to the most that they possibly can and enjoy life as much as they possibly can. And the only way that you're going to be able to accomplish that with any level of certainty or predictability is having a very, very good plan. So long answer to a short question. In short, taxes are the most complicated piece. And unfortunately, the overlooked piece that I see most often is people not paying attention to sequence of return risk. And that can be kind of the underlying cancer that you don't see affecting you, but you have to address it. For those who have questions, let me give you Josh's number, the Aptus Wealth Management Office number, so you can schedule your own personal learning session. We call it the Aptus Blueprint Process. The phone number is 614-364-7300. Call Josh at 614-364-7300. Josh's website is aptuswealth.com, and you can join Josh every Monday at 1230 for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, many experts are calling for a correction in in the market. Is this a real concern or is it just yelling fire in a crowded theater? Well, I think both. And, And let me explain what I mean. If you're listening to the media in general, and I'm not saying there aren't some great uh, experts to listen to in the media, but for the most part, the media is always either yelling fire in the theater or free tickets. You know, it's either everything's fantastic or everything's uh, going to hell in a handbasket. So <clears throat> does that mean regardless of that kind of polarity that, you know, I believe that we're going to have a correction? There's always going to be a correction. Corrections are going to occur. Matter of fact, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you're 65 right now, and uh, you're retired, there's a very highly probable chance that you will see two to three corrections of greater than 20% in the remainder of your lifetime. It's just the simple fact of the way that the market works. The market always ebbs and flows. There's always a slinky effect to the market, meaning that we'll have periods of robust growth, periods of times of correction. 
will always point to something that, uh, you know, in hindsight made it very obvious that that correction occurred, like the financial housing crisis or the dot-com bubble, or uh, there's always going to be a myriad of things, a war, et cetera. So unfortunately, yes, there's always going to be a correction. Do I think that we're at high points in the market right now? Of course we are. We're at all-time highs. But does that necessarily mean that because we're at all-time highs, it's not going to go higher? Again, I don't think that betting against the virility of the U.S. economy or the world economy in general has played out well for anybody over time. But I think what people are really concerned about is volatility in general. It has a tremendous emotional effect on us. There's been tons and tons of studies that have proven this to be accurate. And unfortunately for a lot of us, we simply can't handle that level of volatility. And we need to be honest with ourselves because we can be our worst enemies. There is nothing worse than not investing in the market at all other than investing in the market and then pulling out at the worst possible time because you couldn't handle the stresses involved with volatility. And anybody that says, oh, I understand volatility occurs, usually we'll talk in terms of percentages. Meaning, well, I understand that in order to achieve 10%, I'm going to have to go through a period of a loss of 20%. And that seems very, that's almost like poker chips, right? There's a reason casinos give us poker chips. It's because it kind of disassociates us with our actual money. You know, it's just a red chip. It's not 20 bucks. Well, similarly, when we're talking about the market conceptually, we always use percentages. But I assure you, when the market pulls back 30%, in my office, we're talking numbers again. Uh, and those numbers are, I understand you told me I was going to have to do this and do this and this and this, but in the last three months, I lost $300,000. I don't want to hear about it's a paper loss. I don't want to hear any of that stuff anymore. And believe me, I understand that. And I'm not, you know, I think oftentimes many people feel like people in my business are completely disassociated with the realities of investing uh, as the normal person sees it from their end. And I assure you I'm not. And I have my own money obviously invested the same way I recommend my clients. And I've gone through all the ebbs and flows of watching the money go up and down. And certainly uh, the closer and closer you get to retirement, the more impactful those ups and downs become. And I've heard a million times, you know, I understand that you're saying 20 years from now, I'll be very happy, but I'm 70 years old. I might not be around 20 years from now. So can we quit using that level of, of time <laughs> and, and go back to what is it going to look like five years from now? And I understand all of these things, but what I would suggest is that you have an honest conversation with yourself and you get with a office, uh, an investment professional like us who can explain to you how you can control the level of volatility that you have in your portfolio and still achieve your goals. And there's nothing uh, that I enjoy more than being able to show somebody that they can reduce their level of bounce, their level of volatility, the level of loss potential moving forward, which makes them incredibly more comfortable and still achieve the results that they want. Many times we're given this idea that we have to have $10 million to be able to retire. And the only way we're going to do that is by investing in aggressive stocks. And so that's what we've been doing. And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to make it. And all the stuff we hear on CNBC and, you know, Squawk Box and all that stuff. But in reality, you probably don't need $10 million to be able to retire. I assure you, not too many people have that level of money. Um, you might not even need a million dollars. You might only need a few hundred thousand dollars, depending upon your scenario, to retire. And you might not need to be invested in the stock market at all to be able to achieve the objectives that you want, even with significant inflation on the horizon. But the point is, whether the market is going to correct or not in the next 12 months 
isn't nearly as concerning as whether or not you have the appropriate allocation and the appropriate portfolio for your emotional level of tolerance. Not what you think you should say, but what you actually can tolerate and what history has proven you can tolerate. So unfortunately, Diane, oftentimes in my office, I have to face people with difficult questions. Like, I understand you say that you can weather all of these storms. However, um, you just got done telling me that over the last 20 years, when 2008 happened, you put all your money in cash. When 2001, 2002 happened, you put 90% of your money in cash. So you really haven't proven to have the track record to be able to weather that horrific time that you went through monetarily. So, uh, you know, is it coming? Are they yelling uh, fire in a crowded theater? Does it matter? I mean, I can give you my feedback on what I think the economy is going to do over the next 12 months, but it's more important to me that I understand the person and develop the right plan for them than to try and time uh, when the next drop's coming, which we can certainly get in a conversation about. But uh, it's more important to me that I understand my client and put them where they need to be, not where CNBC thinks they should be. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh's phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You can use that number to schedule your own planning session with Josh and to learn new strategies to manage risk. Josh, with all the talk of possible disasters surrounding us every day, do you find that an individual's risk tolerance is often, well, you were saying that that is the most important variable in retirement plans. Let's expand a little bit more on that. Yeah, and before I do that, I think, you know, as I talk about the importance of risk tolerance, I talk about the importance of weathering storms, I talk about the importance of planning. I think it could have been misconstrued that I'm not willing to go, you know, on record for saying, what do I think is coming in the future? So let me give you some statistics on what uh, it at least appears is happening in the future. So in historically speaking, in periods of rising interest rates, uh, particularly with short-term and uh, long-term interest rates being very close to one another, that has not been favorable for the overall stock market. When we reach points of price-to-earnings ratios being where they are right now, particularly in growth stocks, doesn't mean that the whole market will uh, suffer from this. There will be individual pockets, um, even within the growth stock sector. But as a, as a general sector, it at least appears that growth stocks are not looking very favorable for the foreseeable future. Now we can look at other things like ratios, like the what we call the cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio or CAPE ratio was developed by an economist from Yale. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, you know, that CAPE ratio usually, you know, when it hovers high, it doesn't mean good things for the future. For example, it was the highest that it had ever been during the, the dot-com crash in 2000 through 2002. It was also incredibly high, you know, back during Black Tuesday, which was the crash uh, right before October of 29, which, you know, obviously triggered the Great Depression. It is at those levels today. So, you know, does that mean that we're doomed and we're ready for gloom and doom? Not necessarily. But what I will tell you is that moving forward, I wouldn't say that we're doomed for a correction but we're certainly on wooden legs, at least in a lot of sectors. So I just want to make sure that I, I stepped up to the plate and people think I wasn't dodging the question. The next question that would logically follow that, though, is does that mean that you should get out of the market? Because I hear this oftentimes, that I'm going to get my money out of the market, wait for it to go down and go back in, which I, I think people think that is logic. But then if I say, oh, so you're trying to time the market, people say, no, 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 I'm not trying to time the market. That never works. But I'm just going to wait until it's the right time to buy it. You even use time in your explanation. You're trying to time the market. 
And, you know, we all know that that doesn't work. We all know that we're not going to pull it at the right time. What they're really trying to do is they don't want to ride the they don't want to ride the, the the roller coaster ride all the way down because that volatility is what concerns them. They're not concerned that ten years from now they're not going to be handsomely rewarded for patience if they stay in. They just don't want to feel the pain of that roller coaster ride. And that description right there is really risk tolerance. So why is it important to understand somebody's risk tolerance? Well, I think oftentimes we think about, well, you know, if I'm a moderate investor, I should have half my money in stocks and half my money in bonds, and then it should be a very colorful pie chart. And I don't know what the heck that means, but that's what they told me when I took my seven-question questionnaire, which seems ludicrous to everyone, including me. Wouldn't it be easier to explain that we want to get in an environment that if the market goes down 30%, you only lose 7 or 10%. We understand that some loss is required to achieve gains. What percentage of the upside are we giving up by doing that? Wouldn't that be a great way to be able to invest? And you can actually achieve those types of results through something called tactical investing. Now, is it guaranteed? Of course not. But is it pretty darn predictable? Does it lessen the time to recover from a down economy? Absolutely. Do you, at least in general, usually give up a little bit of upside in the long run? Yes. In times of explosive markets like the last 10 years, it would stand to reason that tactical investment portfolios would not achieve the same results as just the general market. However, in longer term runs, where we include things like 2008, 2009, 2001, 2002, the limiting of that downside actually draws it a lot closer to the mean. So I tell you all of that because risk tolerance is incredibly important. Managing sequence of return risk in retirement is incredibly important, and it can be achieved. But if you're trying to achieve it by simply saying, I'm going to retire in 2040, so I'm buying the 2040 fund, I would suggest that while that will limit some of your volatility, the question is at what cost, and is it the right way for you to do it? So the right way is to pick the spots in the economy that look like they have the least volatile future run with the most upside potential. One could argue that that, stands, that would stand to reason that potentially value stocks moving forward would be a better option than growth stocks, for example. But having somebody that has a true tested method, an algorithm, a logic to be able to put the money in the appropriate place within a risk tolerance that makes sense for your situation is the way to proceed through these turbulent waters. I firmly believe that, and history has proven that to be correct. So... That's how you end up solving your problems and still achieving your results, hedging against inflation and doing all the things that everybody knows you need to do. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And you can also join Josh every Monday as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find that recording at aptuswealth.com. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you next week at the same time and same place. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.